My Lord Maloon, let this be copied out and keep it safe for our remembrance. Return the precedent to these lords again, that having our fair order written down, both they and we, perusing o'er these notes, may know wherefore we took the sacrament and keep our fates firm and inviolable. Upon our sides, it never shall be broken. And noble Dauphin, albeit we swear a voluntary zeal and unurged faith to your proceedings. Yet believe me, Prince, I am not glad that such a sore of time should seek a plaster by condemned revolt and heal the inveterate canker of one wound by making many. Oh, it grieves my soul that I must draw this metal from my side to be a widow maker. Oh, and there where honorable rescue and defense cries out upon the name of Salisbury. But such is the infection of the time that for the health and physic of our right, we cannot deal but with the very hand of stern injustice and confused wrong. And it's not pity, oh my grieved friends, that we, the sons and children of this isle, were born to see so sad an hour as this, wherein we step after a stranger, march upon her gentle bosom and fill up her enemy ranks. I must withdraw and weep upon the spot of this enforced cause to grace the gentry of a land remote and follow unacquainted colors here. What here, o, o nation, that thou couldst remove that Neptune's arms who clippeth thee about would bear thee from the knowledge of thyself and grapple thee unto a pagan shore where these two Christian armies might combine the blood of malice in a vein of league and not to spend it so unneighborly. A noble temper dost thou show in this and great affections wrestling in thy bosom doth make an earthquake of nobility. Oh, what a noble combat hast thou fought between compulsion and a brave respect. Let me wipe off this honorable dew that silverly doth progress on thy cheeks. My heart hath melted at a lady's tears, being an ordinary inundation, but this effusion of such manly drops, this shower blown up by tempest of the soul, startles mine eyes and makes me more amazed than I had seen the vaulty top of heaven figured quite o'er with bursting meteors. Lift up thy brow, renowned Salisbury, and with a great heart heave away this storm. Commend these waters to those baby eyes that never saw the giant world enraged, nor met with fortune other than at feasts full warm of blood, of mirth, of gossiping. Come, come, for thou shalt thrust thy hand as deep into the purse of rich prosperity as Lewis himself. So, nobles, shall you all, that knit your sinews to the strength of mine. And even there, methinks an angel spake, Look where the holy legate comes apace to give us warrant from the hand of God, and on our actions set the name of right with holy breath. Hail, noble prince of France. The next is this. King John hath reconciled himself to Rome. His spirit has come in that so stood out against the holy church, the great metropolis and see of Rome. Therefore thy threatening colors now wind up and tame the savage spirit of wild war that like a lion fostered up at hand, it may light gently at the foot of peace and be no further harmful than in show. Your grace shall pardon me. I will not back. I'm too high born to be property to be a secondary at control. 
or useful serving man and instrument to any sovereign state throughout the world. Your breath first kindled the dead coal of wars between this chastised kingdom and myself and brought in matter that should feed this fire. And now tis far too huge to be blown out with that same weak wind which enkindled it. You taught me how to know the face of right, acquainted me with interest to this land, yea, thrust this enterprise into my heart. And come ye now to tell me John hath made his peace with Rome? What is that peace to me? I, by the honor of my marriage bed, after young Arthur claim this land for mine, and now it is half conquered, must I back, because that John hath made his peace with Rome? Am I Rome's knave? What penny hath Rome borne? What men provided? What munitions sent to underprop this action? Is it not I that undergo this change? Who else but I, and such as to my claim are liable, sweat in this business and maintain this war? Have I not heard these islanders shout out, Vive Leroy, as I banked their towns? Have I not here the best cards for the game to win this easy match played for a crown? And shall I now give o'er the yielded set? No, no, on my soul it never shall be set. You look but on the outside of this work. Outside or inside, I will not return till my attempt so much be glorified as my ample hope was promised before I drew this gallant head of war and called these fiery spirits from the world to outlook conquest and to win renown even in the jaws of danger and of death. What lusty trumpet thus doth summon us? According to the fair play of the world, let me have audience. I am sent to speak, my holy lord of Millen, from the king. I come to learn how you have dealt for him. And as you answer, I do know the scope and warrant limited unto my tongue. The Dauphin is too willful opposite and will not temporize with my entreaties. He flatly says he'll not lay down his arms. By all the blood that ever fury breathed, the youth says well. Now hear our English king, for thus his royalty doth speak in me. He is prepared, and reason too he should. This apish and unmannerly approach, this harnessed mask and unadvised revel, this unhaired sauciness and boyish troops, the king doth smile at, and is well prepared to whip this dwarfish war, these pygmy arms, from out the circle of his territories. The hand which had the strength, even at your door, to cudgel you and make you take the hatch, to dive like buckets in concealed wells, to crouch in litter of your stable planks, to lie like pawns locked up in chests and trunks, to hug with swine, to seek sweet safety out in vaults and prisons, and to thrill and shake, even at the crying of your nation's crow, thinking this voice an arm in Englishman. Shall that victorious hand be feebled here that in your chambers gave you chastisement? <laughs> no, no, the gallant monarch is in arms, and like an eagle o'er his airy towers to souse annoyance that come near his nest. And you, degenerate, you ingrate revolts, you bloody Nero's ripping up the womb of your dear mother England blush for shame. For your own ladies and pale-visaged maids, like Amazons, come tripping after drums. Their thimbles into armored gauntlets change, their needles to lances and their gentle hearts to fierce and bloody inclination. There end thy brave, and turn thy face in peace. 
We grant thou canst outscold us. Fare thee well. We hold our time too precious to be spent with such a brabbler. Give me leave to speak. No, I will speak. We will attend to neither. Strike up the drums and let the tongue of war plead for our interest and our being here. Indeed, your drums being beaten will cry out, and so shall you being beaten. Do but start and echo with the clamor of thy drum, and even at hand a drum is ready braced that shall reverberate all as loud as thine. Sound but another, and another shall, as loud as thine rattle the welkin's ear and mock the deep mouth thunder. For at hand, not trusting to this halting legate here, whom he hath used rather for sport than need, is war like John, and in his forehead sits a bare-ribbed death, whose office is this day to feast upon whole thousands of the French. Strike up our drums to find this danger out. And thou shalt find it, Dauphin, do not doubt. <laughs> 